Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. You're listening to the Self Mastery Podcast, where we break through barriers holding you back from becoming who you want to be. Whether you're struggling with pornography, overeating, social media addiction, or just want to get better at succeeding at life, this podcast is for you. Now your host, Zach Spafford. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. Darcy's here with me. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah? What have you been up to? (laughs) (laughs) We've been messing around. Well, not messing around. We've been dealing with like a really gross injury. So... Uh, but <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. First off, before we get into the episode, I wanted to announce here on the podcast that this is the year. Darcy and I have built a amazing world-class membership for you and your loved ones to come and make 2021 your year to finally put pornography behind you. And as a special offer, you can be a founding member for less than the cost of one date night each month. You can even get a year pass as a founding member and lock in this price forever and make 2021 the year you stop feeling so frustrated and overwhelmed and start feeling more confident and fulfilled and successful. And we can help you do that. We are going to get you there and have fun in the process. There are seven different ways you can get help within the membership. Well, there's actually probably more than that, but at least seven, right? We're going to have a monthly workshop where we take a deep dive into what are the skills you need to get pornography out of your life. Then we're going to have six monthly calls for coaching and Q&A. Two of those calls are going to be for those dealing with pornography. That Those are going to be run by me. Two of those are going to be for spouses and two are going to be for parents. If you are dealing with pornography in your life, in your marriage, in your household, this is the perfect moment to set yourself up so 2021 is your year. We can help you get where you want to be. And I'm so excited about this. It's going to be awesome. To do it, all you need to do is go to zackspafford.com. There's going to be a link. Just hit join now. It's going to be amazing. All you have to do is just take the next step. Nothing more. Make one decision this year. Make it be that you join the membership so that pornography can leave your life forever. All right? What do you think about that, Darce? I'm pretty excited. She is pretty excited. She keeps saying, hey, hey, when are we going to announce? When are we going to announce? When are we? And today's the day. So I'm pretty excited. She's pretty excited. And <laughs> I'm actually really excited. We just talked to a friend of ours who, you know, we've known for years and years and years. And she's like, yeah, I listened to this episode. Actually, it was the episode last week with uh, Ashley Eyre. And she's like, I listened to all your episodes. And I was so excited that she listens to our episodes and she loves them and she loves listening to to me talk sometimes. (laughs) As part of our last webinar, we had two very interesting questions come up in our discussion and I wanted to highlight them here uh, with a little help of my sweetheart. Yeah, she's smiling. She doesn't realize all the time that radio doesn't show the smiles. But when we do webinars, her smile radiates, so it's good. And if you want to join our next webinar, I think it's January 3rd. It's Sunday. It's the first Sunday in January. Uh, It's going to be an amazing, amazing webinar. Go ahead and sign up for that anytime you're ready. We were were talking about 
obviously about pornography. And these two questions that came up, really, I think they, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. They're they're essentially one's a, a man asking and one's a woman asking. The, the man said, what is the catalyst that gets the wife to jump over the anger and betrayal issues? My wife has been upset and angry for 11 years now. And the woman who asked the question, she said, I'm a wife. I'd like to know how you rebuild trust when lying is such a big part of the pornography compulsion addiction or problem. If you are someone who is dealing with this in your marriage, I think these are two very good questions, one from each side. And we love having people come to our calls and work through some of these very deeply held difficulties that have been part of their struggle to overcome pornography use in their marriages. And these calls, they're free, so they're really helpful, they're insightful, and they help people get started on the road to the life where pornography doesn't intrude in their happiness. These two questions boil down to essentially one thing. How do I trust and even love my spouse again? I think it's really important to look at your spouse and look at, okay, why are they lying? Why are they choosing to not be honest and figure out, like get to the bottom of that, right? Because I think a lot of times when our spouses are lying to us about their pornography use, it's that they are one trying to protect themselves, right? They they're fearful that when their wife finds out or if their wife knew or that their wife knew that it was happening again, that their wife will leave or that they're take their children. They're really trying to protect themselves. And then I think the other side of it is that they lie because they're trying to protect us, the wife, right? Even though the lying hurts and it eventually always comes out and it's typically The truth worth, will out, as they say in England, right? Yes. <laughs> once once the truth finds out and then we realize there has been lying, then there's even this greater feeling of, of betrayal that happens. It's this like fine line. Like, are they lying because they're trying to be deceitful? They're trying to be dishonest. They're trying to get away with whatever they want. Or... Are they lying because they're trying really hard to get this out of their life and that they're not able to yet trying to protect themselves? Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to see that men who are struggling with this issue are almost invariably earnestly trying to have and, and have a desire to eliminate it from their lives. I've spoken to so many men and women who struggle with pornography use in their lives, and not one of them that I've come across has said, well, I don't want to give this up, but my spouse says I have to. Their struggle is real, and they're, they're trying to be the best they can. So we're going to take you across five points, five ideas that you want to integrate into the conversation that you're having with yourself about how you can trust and even possibly love your spouse again. None of these are absolutes. There is really, this is really a discussion. I don't think it's love your spouse again. I think it's be vulnerable with your spouse again. Oh yeah, that's I think a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. We still love our spouse, right? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they do. Sometimes yes. they're like, "No, I hate this person because they've destroyed my life." But I, I think vulnerability is a very significant component of love. So I think I like that. So let's start with number one. The behavior of an individual is about that person trying to feel good, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. But maybe we'll just you know put a fine point on this. Our lower brain is geared toward helping keep us from feeling bad, and it is not very good at distinguishing between actual physical danger and the pain of feeling lonely, sad, stressed, tired, hungry, or angry. As a result, it looks for ways to keep us from having to endure pain. And in doing so, it often creates habits that it engages at various times to avoid that same pain. So a good example of this is food, and we're probably going to talk about food a couple of times today. 
But lots of us eat when we feel uncomfortable. And it's pretty common to find that after a long, stressful day, you've eaten more than your fair share of the delicious things around you. I think that it would be a pretty thin argument for me to say to Darcy, I can never trust you again because you keep eating all the Nutella in our house. Let's be honest, that would be you eating (laughs) the Nutella, not me. (laughs) That's true. But we, we would instead, when our spouse is like, you know, binge eating all the delicious foods, we would probably try to seek to understand what's going on and why this keeps occurring and help that person find ways to eliminate that action without making it about us. When I eat all the Nutella, because that's really who's doing it, <laughs> it is not about Darcy. And when Darcy eats all of the delicious things that she eats, it's not about me, right? So understanding as kind of a baseline, try to understand how the behavior that your spouse is exhibiting within the pornography use lexicon, we're going to call it, is not about you. And I know that feels bad, and I know that that's, that's hard for a lot of people to get to because... It feels very personal when we think about someone interacting with, you know, the internet in a sexual way. So I, I completely understand that, and I don't want to negate that fact. But it, once you begin to separate what they're doing from whether it's about you, it becomes a lot more clear how you might begin to trust and even become intimate with that person again. All right, the next question. If you never knew... Would you be betrayed? Now, this question is a good exercise to help understand that what you are choosing to believe about the behavior is what is creating your pain and not the behavior itself. And for this example, I'm going to turn back to an example that I love to go to in the scriptures, which is the woman brought in adultery. And this is a very powerful example to me of real pain caused by real sin and how Christ handles that. Now, for the, for the most part, I've not known anyone who's been physically pained by the actions of their spouse when it comes to pornography. You, can you think of any examples where that's happened? No. Not that we've worked She's with. shaking her head. She, I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know of one off the top of my head, and I can't, I can't, and I would imagine there would be some different, you know, issues with that. But just as a, as a rule, I just don't see it happening. And yet, we see the woman brought in adultery to Christ who is going to physically endure the pain of that sin on the cross. And it, rather than condemn her, rather than see her as someone who has betrayed him, rather than see her as a person who could have uh, you know, alleviated some of the pain of what Christ was going to have to deal with. And we know that he was going to have to deal with that pain. He said to her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more, right? And this is, I think, a really just concrete example of how what we choose to believe about what happened is what you know causes the pain f- for us you know, in this, in this arena, you know, Christ was going to deal with physical pain, but what he chose to believe was that he didn't want to condemn that woman and that she should go and sin no more, which didn't create any more emotional pain in that moment. It simply created the, you know, the pain that he would have to suffer through the atonement on the cross and, and there in Gethsemane. So I hope that helps. And, and again, I'm, this is not an excuse for, you know, someone not to tell their spouse, hey, you know, I'm doing this. This is just 
kind of a, a thought exercise for you to do personally to say, well, why is it that I feel this pain? And, and really, you know, go to that idea. Well, if I didn't know about it, would I feel betrayed? Am I really betrayed if, if I don't know about this? Or is it, is it more a matter of like, I'm creating a lot of pain in my life because of what I try to, what I choose to believe about my, my spouse's actions. For so many of us women, before we find out, like we, we literally think everything's, you know, pretty, pretty perfect in our lives, right? I think that's almost every client you've ever talked to, right? On your side of things. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, most of the time, before the women find out about their husbands looking at pornography, they really do think everything's just fine. A lot of the betrayal comes when we think this isn't something we agreed to in our marriage, and therefore this is a betrayal, right? This is right. a breach of what we agreed to in our marriage. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of points, and I think that's a really important point to make. So I love that. Thank you. The next point here is, is demanding your spouse change their behavior something that you would tolerate? Again, let's talk about food, right? Food's always a good example. What would you do if your spouse all of a sudden started demanding that you stop eating meat? Now, by the way, meat is specifically mentioned in the word of wisdom as something we should eat sparingly. And what if they were like, also, you can only eat fruit in its natural season. So if it's not currently in season, you can't import it from Mexico and eat it, right? But it's in season in Mexico. Well, then so. you should move to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'd have to be vagabonds, you know, uh, what gypsies, right? Yeah. And, and what if they were, you know, not only would they start demanding it, but then they would really get upset and threaten divorce if you don't stop. And they tell you that every bacon cheeseburger hurts them and makes them feel like a less of a person and that when you eat something that isn't part of what they make you, it's a direct assault on your marriage. Does that sound absurd? Yes. But this isn't to say, like, that the feelings that you feel when your spouse looks at pornography are not real and are not painful, right? It's just a way of, like, wiggling loose the thoughts that we have and the thoughts we create around our spouses viewing pornography to look at it from a different perspective, right? Because if you're wanting to stay in in this marriage where your husband occasionally looks at pornography— and you're also not wanting to feel betrayed and hurt 24-7 and, and be miserable, then you have to begin to really examine the thoughts that you're having that are keeping you stuck, mm-hmm. right? And so if you can relate it to something like food or um, yelling at your kids or overspending money, especially at Christmas time when you buy lots of presents for your kids or whatever. How much did you spend? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't keep track. Too much, I'm sure. (laughs) But but do you see what I'm saying? So it's not like to say your feelings aren't valid, right? But it is saying if you want to be able to move past that bitterness and the anger and the, the resentment and the betrayal, then looking at what's really going on for what it is, you're going to get a lot more traction. Yeah, totally. And yeah, this def- this definitely isn't a perfect comparison, but I think it really does like start that process of, oh, I can see what I'm doing and I can see what they're doing. And maybe I could approach this differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you have to, but I am saying if you really truly do want to have love and intimacy and 
uh, trust back in your marriage, you may want to choose to approach things slightly differently. Because in order for you to rebuild trust, you have to be willing to forgive and move forward. Same with your spouse, right? And so it's really hard if we're constantly looking to the past to prove what's going to happen in the future. That makes it, it, it really does, it makes it really difficult because how are you going to learn to retrust if you're like, nope, you've done this before. At some point, you have to open yourself up to forgiveness and vulnerability. And in that comes that you might get hurt again, right? And right. and that's, I think that's part of marriage. It's part of any relationship, right? In, in order to open up and be vulnerable, there's always that risk that you could get hurt again. Totally. And, and I actually deal with this with... Uh, my my clients a lot where they tell me about the past and how they know that that's going to be what the future is and I say okay now prove that to me and we can't prove the future to anyone we we don't have that capacity so that means that the future is wide open and that is that possibility allows us to begin to I think move past what happened in the past and allow the past to just stay there as a as a story that we can tell ourselves about how we triumphed eventually. And I love that. All right, number four here is losing what you thought your marriage would be or was doesn't mean you've lost your marriage. Now, this is a really, I think this is an interesting point. This is the one we referred to a little bit earlier is our marriage is different than it was when we first got married, isn't it? Very much so. Very differently. Uh, Our expectations are different than they were when we fell in love. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't expect you to dance anymore. (laughs) <laughs> that's true that's true one time when we were engaged and we were at Nauvoo and Zach wanted to dance on the riverfront with all the people at the Nauvoo you know whatever hoedown and I refused to dance with him because there was a bunch of people there and I'm super shy and I'm not a dancer and I don't like to be in front of people and so I refused and he broke up with me yeah, I, it was like literally the day after we sent out our wedding announcements. I was like, really? You couldn't <laughs> have decided that you wanted to dump me like the day before we sent out yeah. all the invitations? Anyways. Perfect. Needless to say, we ended up getting married. I think we're still married, right? Yes. Perfect. 17 and a half years. That's so awesome. All right. And here's the other thing. Our beliefs and our values and our even our personal traits are different too. And the truth about marriage is that your marriage is nothing like you thought it would be. Our marriage is nothing like we thought it would be, is it? Not really. No. I mean, obviously, parts of it are, right? Yeah. But, but it's it's very different. It's I think it's more real. Mm-hmm. It's been more difficult. For sure. It's been more fun. Most days. Most days. <laughs> <laughs> than we thought or could. I don't think I could have even imagined our lives. Yeah. From the beginning, right? And no one could have told me that I would be sitting here having this conversation with you all, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> no one no one could have ever told this to me, much less that I would have eight kids and three cats. Three cats. I know. I don't like one cat, and yet somehow I have three cats. <laughs> I might have predicted that we would have a dog, because I don't mind dogs so much, but I don't really, I don't really want animals. I've always said no to animals because we have so many kids, and that's enough animals to me. <laughs> but I think the the truth here is is that when your marriage stops being the thing that you thought it was, that doesn't mean that it's not a marriage. It doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. It doesn't mean that it's not something that you can 
you know, use to grow and create and build the life that you want. It just means that it is what it is. So often when we think that our marriages should be different than they are or that life should be different than they are, than it is, and we look to the past and we look or we look to the future and think it should be different or we should be at a different place by now, like all of those thoughts, they leave us powerless and they kind of put us into that victim role. And I feel like when it comes to wanting to be angry and betrayed and 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 11 years later, right? 11 years into this marriage, at some point you have to say, I am choosing to stay in this marriage. And if I'm choosing to stay in this marriage, then I don't want to be miserable anymore. And I'm not going to make my spouse miserable, right? The reality is, is 11 years into it, if you are still angry and still bitter and still wanting to feel betrayed, at some point you have to decide that you're going to take your power back, right? That you're going to take your agency, your ability to choose. And if you choose to stay in that marriage, that's 100% your choice. And so make the best of that choice. Right. Oh, absolutely. So the last point, and this is, I think, a really important point is if you do want to, you know, have trust in your marriage, you have to choose trust. The word betrayal comes up a lot in this conversation around pornography. And I think I get it. Like, I get that feeling. I I remember feeling betrayed. I remember feeling crushed and hopeless and like like the victim, right? That Zach was choosing pornography and that was not something we chose in our marriage. And I'm hurt. And it's your fault and you're doing this to me. And at some point, you have to decide if I want to stay in that role of victim, right? Or do I want to look at it for what it is and and figure out a solution, right? Like, I just think I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were talking about betrayal. And I was like, what other ways are we betrayed in our marriages? Because basically, when we're feeling betrayed, it's because someone is doing something contrary to what we said would would happen, right? And and she brought up this good point. We we started talking about money. And she was sharing a story from her life where when she oftentimes she would hide how much money she spent from her husband. Um, you know, he was the the breadwinner and she was the stay-at-home mom and but she managed the the money, right? She she got the pill, the paychecks and did the bills and did the spending, right? And so there were times where she had spent more than quote unquote she should have. And after a while, her husband started realizing like he wanted to get more involved in the money. And so then she kind of had that conversation with him like, hey, yeah, so I've I've been spending more than you thought I was, right? And at first he was really upset. He was really angry about it. And it was really hard for him. Like he he felt betrayed, right? Just like we we can feel when our spouse is using pornography. And eventually he had to learn that if every time she overspent, he freaked out about it, that that would cause her to just start lying again and start hiding. And so that was like a really good example, I felt, of how it, it feels when we're betrayed and how it, you know, just a... Yeah, I think that's a very good you know, the other side of the coin, the flip side of the coin kind of understanding of what it is to be betrayed and 
what it is also to move past that. I think betrayal, broadly speaking, happens in every single marriage. There's not a marriage. Like, I don't think you have ever really held back a secret from me for too long. Like, you're not very good at keeping secrets. I'm not very good at keeping secrets. But there are definitely things that we have agreed to in our marriage that, you know, you haven't upheld and I haven't upheld that don't have anything to do with pornography, right? Yeah. Well, and just like this little, like, this is just a small example, but obviously we work from home. Our office is in the house and... Oftentimes I'm with the kids and if Zach is in his office, I assume he's working. And so when he, say I like come up and I see that he's like reading political posts or whatever on the internet. I never I, read anything about politics. Liar. <laughs> I, I in a way feel betrayed because I'm like, you're in your office. You're supposed to be working, right? All these supposed to be's. Right. And on the flip side of that. When I come down from my office and I've been pounding away for hours and Darcy's just chilling on the couch and there's a whole slew of chores yet to be done, then I feel like, well, what have you been doing? I thought you were in charge of the house and I was in charge of work. So you can see how we both feel like, you know, we agreed that this would happen and it's not happening. Yeah. And eventually you have to get to a point where it's like, this is just happening, right? This is just life and this is how life has been going and then look at it for what it is and how do we want to move forward now? Yeah, yeah. Right, like let's have that conversation because if betrayal is going on, a good way to start rebuilding trust is through communicating. You have to be able to look at it for what it is, communicate what's going on for both parties and be vulnerable and be willing to forgive and willing to you know, keep going. And and to be specific, this is not just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is what I'm doing. And listening to your partner, mm-hmm. listening to what they are saying, listening intently and with uh, intent to understand what it is that they're trying to communicate, not just taking in information, right? And when it comes to a situation where you're, you know, you're being the victim continuously, which is what happens, I think, a lot of times when we feel like I'm betrayed and you're not fixing it, you know, once you know what the new situation is, if, you know, if, if that person's not willing to change, right, if, if your spouse isn't someone who's capable of holding down a job, which happens for people, and now you become the breadwinner. I actually have a client whose wife is the breadwinner in their household and he's a stay-at-home dad. You know, it. there's no sense in just being the victim of that. It doesn't help. In fact, you know, it, that's really a recipe for misery. At this point, you have to ask yourself two things. Number one, will I stay or will I go? And if you're choosing to stay, then why am I choosing to stay? Right? Am I just choosing to stay because it seems better than the alternative? Right? Like, because there's that, right? Or am I choosing to stay because I love my partner and I want to create the life that we have so far and I want to continue to work on this and I want to forgive and move forward and learn to love and, and grow through our trials together and realize that there will be times where trust is probably broken again. Right? Like that's part of that's any part of relationship. Intimacy. Yeah, that's what and, intimacy is, right? And really any relationship, there's always going to be that that bit of betrayal. Yeah. Or 
if I'm choosing to go, why am I choosing to go? And then take 100% responsibility for no matter what you choose. And then number two, will I choose happiness, compassion, and love by not making this mean anything about me? Yeah, and I think once you decide, you know, those two things, the path is totally clear. If you stay and you're choosing happiness, compassion, and love and not making this about you, then you're choosing trust, right? Like that's, there's nothing, there's nothing other than trust. And then if you choose to go, then, you know, it's simple. You just don't have to trust that person anymore. They're not part of your life anymore to a certain extent. And if you choose to continue to make your spouse's behavior about you, then, then it's going to be hard to stay, Mm -hmm. right? It just makes it miserable to stay. Yeah. and, And I think a huge component when we feel betrayed is really to start focusing on ourselves, start doing stuff for ourselves, start learning to trust ourselves, start learning to be happy with who we are. Because if we are self-confident, if we are 100% confident in ourselves and our and our husbands look at pornography, it's a lot easier to make it not mean anything about us. Totally. Right? When we have a secure sense of self, we are so much stronger and so much better able to handle the the darts that are thrown our way, right? Yeah. Well, and that goes both ways, right? Like as a as a husband, when I'm 100% confident in myself, your behavior ceases to be about me. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's kind of really re- recently hit me is I can be responsible for things in the house that I would not have taken responsibility for years ago. Especially now that I work from home and I spend a lot of time here, I can take a lot more responsibility for those things and just do them without it being a thing where I'm like, well, now I'm just doing your job because that's really not fair in any way. And being confident in that and being willing to just take that on and be like, "Eh, you know, whatever she's doing, that's not about me. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to do what I want done. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And and that I think it just goes that that's just one example, but it, this idea goes both ways. When both partners bring a hundred percent confident selves to the marriage, the marriage grows regardless of you know the the mishaps and the steps that that make us falter along the way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has been you know giving you some idea of how you might bring trust back into your life. You know, we're not by any means going to say that this is the absolute perfect way to make your marriage more trusting and bring love and intimacy back into it. But I think these are very good, very salient points. Yeah, and I and I think it's important to remember that rebuilding trust takes time and takes work and it takes willingness to be hurt again. Yeah. <laughs> right. And 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 forgiving and 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 moving on, right? Like I'm going to open up again and I'm going to be willing to do this again. And I think that was one of the things that you really did so beautifully that helped me, you know, gain trust and it allowed me to regain trust, but it also allowed me to regain my own confidence and just, you were like, well, I recognize that you did this and I don't like it. And yet I'm still going to come and I'm going to meet you where you are. And that was beautiful to me. Yeah. And and I and just like a word of advice for the husbands, if this is something you're struggling with, at some point you have to get to the point where you're like, I'm not going to worry about my wife's feelings. <laughs> I'm not going to try and control how she feels or what she does. You worry about them, but you don't try to control them. 
Yes. You just have to be honest, right? If your wife decides to leave, then that's on her, right? But you have to be in integrity with yourself and you have to be okay with the decisions you're making. Yeah. Because when you're lying to your spouse, when you're lying to your wife, the truth always comes out. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a year from now or 30 years from now, the truth comes out. And if the truth comes out, you know, by you telling what happened, it's a lot easier than finding out later. Later, yeah. I actually have this really great client, and he's like, my wife has filed all the paperwork. I am doing this because it's about me dealing with my problem and me fixing me. And I realize I can't fix her and I can't change what she decides, but I am in this for me and how I can grow and how I can change. So that to me was just this really great example of how, you know, if you want this marriage thing to work, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But your change has to be about you 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. Cool. Thanks to you guys for listening. We love doing this every week. Go ahead and go to uh, zackspafford.com. Sign up for a free console if you want. You can sign up for the next webinar. You can join the self-mastery membership. Any of those things are available to you there on the website. But let us help you. Let us get you where you want to go because we can help you do that. Yep. Love it. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Imagine you sitting next to your loved one and no longer bogged down by the greatest trial of your life. Each month, I offer a free webinar that you can attend where you can get your questions answered about how you can break free from pornography use. Take a moment now and go to the website, zackspafford.com slash free call, and you can sign up for free. You don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to ask questions, learn a new skill, and even get coached live if you like. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and... If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.